Tony and Zana were running between what I was filming in this very political sphere over to a different soundstage where they were filming a battle scene. So they were coming in with this kind of battle energy and all this sweating. And then, then they'd come in and it would be, okay, high focus, high focus, lots of, lots of language. And it was extraordinary to imagine them balancing those two worlds essentially on the same day. Hello and welcome to Dagobah Dispatch. My name is Devin Kogan and my usual co-hosts Lauren Morgan and Dalton Ross are away in the outskirts of the galaxy this week, but I am so excited to be joined by two of my other favorite EW colleagues because this week we've got a really fun episode for you. A lot of our time on this podcast so far has been spent talking about the past and the present of the Star Wars galaxy from looking back on the films to recapping Obi-Wan Kenobi each week. But this week, we're going to be looking ahead to the future of Star Wars, because there are a lot of really cool projects in the works from around the galaxy, focusing on some familiar faces and some new ones. Later in this episode, we're going to be going inside one of those projects and sharing with you my interview with the cast of Andor from Star Wars Celebration. We've got a really great conversation with Diego Luna, who's returning as Cassian Andor, Genevieve O'Reilly, who's back as Mon Mothma, and producer Son Wollenberg. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but first, I am so excited to welcome my co-host for this episode. First up, we have EW social media editor Jessica Leone. Jess, how's it going? Great. How are you? Good. Super excited to have you here. And we are also joined by EW's creative director and uh, Max Rebo superfan, uh, Chuck Kerr. <laughs> Chuck, how's it going? Hey, Devin. It's going great. Super excited to have you guys. Um, so as I said, you know, this week, we're going to be looking ahead to some of our most uh, anticipated projects in the Star Wars universe. Uh, there's a lot in the works from returning TV series like The Mandalorian to new projects like Andor and, and even some films. So as we start to dive into all of the things that, that Star Wars has on the horizon, I want to hear from each of you. What is your most anticipated Star Wars project? Jess, what about you? What's What's number one on your list? I would have to say Andor just because I... I'm obsessed with Rogue One, and I think that it is one of the best Star Wars film, if not the best Star Wars film to ever come out. Um, and I love Diego Luna. I love what he did with the character of Cassian, and I'm just excited to see more of him. Because as, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Rogue One, it doesn't end on a very happy note for Cassian. <laughs> But I'm excited to see him explore that character more and just get more content. Yeah, I mean, what is it about that? Why do you think that's a character that so many people have like really connected with? Because I think you're far from being the only diehard Rogue One fan out there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've had conversations about this. My dad is a hardcore Star Wars fan. I mean, he's the reason that I am a Star Wars fan. He has a giant Boba Fett tattoo on his leg. It's oh, in my amazing. blood. Yeah, it, yeah. And I re remember being a child in the tattoo parlor while he got that. So it's just like the first movie I ever saw was Phantom Menace in theaters. And I feel like that character specifically just brought out, I don't know, nostalgic almost because it reminded me of Han Solo and he had like the same attitude, like, don't care about you, but I'm going to save all these people and I'm going to do what I need to do to get shiz done. And I love that type of character. I mean, Han Solo is one of my favorites. So it was just exciting to see that character again, because we don't really see that type of, I mean, you see different kinds of personalities in the prequels, and that one isn't really done in the prequels. So it was fun to see that. 
for sure. Chuck, what about you? What are you are you excited for Andor? Um, yeah, I would have to say Andor is probably the one that is the most interesting to me, as far as you know. Admittedly, not somebody who's like watched the animated versions. I almost called them cartoons, but then I could I could hear many Star Wars fans saying they're not cartoons. Lauren, you know? Lauren, Lauren takes uh, the animated stuff very seriously. <laughs> exactly, and I, I know that it's all great. It's not something I've ever experienced personally, but. You know, so the the spinoffs of those like Ahsoka or whichever other Star Wars stuff is coming out that's very tied to the to the animated universe doesn't really uh, jump out at me. But Andor, I think, is actually you know for all the um, mixed feelings I might have about Star Wars revisiting the past ad nauseum over and over again and coloring in stuff that's already been pretty colored in. You know, Rogue One w- was done pretty well as if you're going to be a prequel set in and around the movies, it actually accomplished, I think, something that made, it actually felt like a little bit like a standalone movie in and of itself. And so Andor, the show, I mean, I'm looking forward to maybe that also being the case uh, as a TV show where, you know, we actually invest in characters that are new or they're different or they're interesting, you know, outside of they're a Skywalker or they are a child version of a character you already know. That that stuff's fun, I, you know. But I, I would really, really, really love to see something new that I haven't seen before, versus you know, the Muppet Baby version of you know <laughs> the movies. But that's just me. Hot hot take. Sorry. No, absolutely. And it's funny when we were at Star Wars Celebration, um, Diego Luna came out on stage, and he was sort of we got to see a teaser trailer, and and he sort of introduced the crowd, and he laughed, and he said, you know, I have a lot of job security in this one because I know they can't kill me off. Because we already know how it ends. So, I mean, I don't know. I Sometimes I love prequel stories. I'm getting a little bit tired of prequel stories, especially how we know where Cassian's story ends um, on a beach on Scarif. Uh, but like, I, I think he's such an interesting character. And I'm like curious to see kind of where he goes. And, and one of the things that was really interesting um, that Diego Luna talked about was how this is a very different version of Cassian. He's not like the the brave uh, rebel fighter that we meet in in Rogue One. He's still like a young guy and he's he's still sort of trying to figure out where how he fits into this galaxy, which I feel like is is super interesting. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, one of the cool things about somebody like Cassian is that I don't, we don't know much about him. Like I don't have a preconceived notion what he's like as a character, whereas somebody like, I don't know, Darth Vader, I kind of do. So there's not too much that I can learn that's new, really, about a character that's so iconic and so that cover, that ground's been covered so well. So, you know, yeah, I'd be interested to know about young Cassian or young Mon Mothma or whoever, you know, these other characters that are going to be part of this cast. Um, and also some new characters I could really like. That could be really fun to see some new people. And that to me is exciting. Yeah. Stellan Skarsgård is in this, which is I'm super hyped about. Fiona Shaw, who's so great in Killing Eve and obviously the Harry Potter movies. It's a really fun cast. And, you know, Jess, as a Rogue One fan, how do you feel about the news that uh, K2SO is not going to be, at least not in this first season? He's confirmed to to not be in it. You know, that's disappointing. I'm not going to lie. But I have high hopes for second season, maybe. But I'm also like, I mean, like you guys mentioned, I mean, there's going to be so many new characters introduced. And I understand that the Star Wars world will always be expanding and continuing. And there will always fill in every single gap. 
even if we don't ask for it. So I'm sure that we will see him again. <laughs> yeah, I would I would be very surprised if we we didn't see Alan Tudyk back as as K2 at, at some point and um you know Dalton is like the world's biggest fan of K2 SO. So he he pushed very hard to get him up on our our Star Wars 100 list. <laughs> I feel like if anything, you know, they might say hey, he's not in the season and then you know they also said the same thing about Liam Neeson showing up in Obi-Wan Kenobi. They're like, "Oh, he, he didn't do anything. He didn't film anything." And then, no, he's there. It's nice to be surprised. So maybe there's a nice surprise that we'll see K2SO. Fingers crossed. You know, I will say, after Andrew Garfield lied to me throughout all of (laughs) 20, all of last year, I trust no one. I trust no one when they say I'm not in this, I'm not in that. So who knows? Andrew Garfield deserves an Oscar. I mean, he might be in a Star Wars movie and we don't even know it. He's just going to keep lying about it. Exactly. He could have already been a stormtrooper, you guys, and we have no idea. Like, I would not be surprised. Honestly, yeah, absolutely. Um, Chuck, what about you? Are there any other projects kind of on the docket that you're like particularly excited for? Uh, I liked The Mandalorian, especially the parts that were less Jedi-centric and more about the actual main character and his relationship with uh, baby Grogu. So I'm I'm curious to see that now that they've reunited as of uh, the, the end of the season of uh, Book of Boba Fett, I think they're going straight to Mandalore, probably. Is that the planet? Am I saying that right? Yeah. So, and the Mandalorian stuff, mileage varies greatly whether or not a lot of that's interesting. But the relationship between the characters, I think, is interesting. So I'm curious to see how that continues between those two characters. And hopefully it's not too bogged down in like lore about whichever saber someone wields which is cool but also like to me window dressing for the characters and and how they interact yeah that's been one of the interesting things that sort of unfolded as we've watched these shows is that they're so interconnected you know um book of boba fett was sort of like mandalorian season 2.5 in the way that how much they crossed over i certainly wasn't expecting that much crossover and that much kind of intersecting storytelling when when these series started and you know we've also got the ahsoka show coming up which is also going to premiere in 2023 and is filming now and there's all these series that are set within sort of this same time period sort of you know after return of the jedi picking up the pieces after after the empire fell and it's kind of interesting that each one sort of intersects and so you kind of have to watch all of them and sort of in order to know what's happening right which seems like <laughs> the master plan right it's like oh you got to actually watch every minute of this on disney plus if you want to know why grogu and and uh jin jaren am i saying that correct are reunited at the beginning of of season 3 I could I could confidently say just watch that episode, those one or two episodes of Boba Fett, and the rest of it is skippable. <laughs> that you might make some some Timora Morrison fans mad with that one. He's great. He's great <laughs> in it. No shade to um to him. He's he's fantastic. Absolutely. But yeah, I'm curious for you guys. Is you know um. As Star Wars fans, how have you guys felt about sort of Star Wars shift to um, this sort of Disney Plus TV storytelling as opposed to, you know, it used to be that they had a film coming out pretty much every year. And now we've got all of these these TV projects in the works. I mean, we get more of it, which I'm not mad about. And I think they started off on a high note because Mando was first, right? That was the first thing to hit Disney Plus. And that came out and everyone fell in love with little baby Yoda 
And as a social media editor, I have to mention all the social memes that came out of that. Great content. <laughs> Great. It was fantastic. I mean, you, I love Pedro Pascal. So they started off on a very high note, and I think that they continued. And then I just love that we get more and more. Will there come a time where I get tired of it? Where I get tired of having to, like you guys said, you have to watch every single thing or else it's not going to make sense. At this point, I don't think I will, but who knows? Only time will tell. I am on that high off of Obi-Wan, which I loved. I thought the ending was great. I loved seeing Hayden back, even though you don't really get to see him, but you get to see the little flashbacks and specifically the take on his voice mixed with James Earl Jones' voice, just like little tidbits like that. Seeing Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan and the pain on his face, knowing that Anakin was truly gone. It made sense to me and it set up perfectly for these movies that were made 50 odd years ago. So I do think that they are doing it well right now. However, who knows what will happen? I think there is room for mistake and I don't want that to happen. But if you continue and you continue, some at some point, it's going to be too much. Yeah, but I think there's still so much goodwill for for specifically like the prequels and some of these actors sort of getting their their moment in the spotlight. Like we know that Hayden Christensen is rumored to return and he's, he might show up in Ahsoka. We might see him again, which would be interesting. And so it's, is there like a particular character or something? Like, like what is your guys' dream Star Wars show? Like, is there a character that you'd love to see a spinoff of or like a genre that you think they haven't tackled yet that you're like super hyped for? I think, uh, you know, uh, to, to answer the previous question a little bit and also this other one, more than anything, I would, I would love a show, like a story that was really well written and crafted very well. Um, you know, whether it's a prequel or brand new characters, for me, the, as a TV show versus a movie, a movie can zip by pleasurably for two hours and you're like, oh, this is fun. And oh, that part was really cool. But as a show, even if you're trying to fill just six hours, that's really hard because you might only have two hours of story and then you have four hours of other stuff that you have to get through to get to the, to the good parts. Uh, so, you know, for me, I would love a show that frankly functioned more like a TV show where each episode was really great by itself as a unit and then fits into a bigger hole versus like a six hour movie. Or, you know, if we're going to do a prequel, uh, we should hire the writers of Better Call Saul or somebody that, <laughs> you know, really understands how to make something stand on its own and not just be callback after callback after callback to something that people already like. Um, that being said, you know, would love a Max Rebo show. I think there's a <laughs> lot of potential for, you know, the, you know, Max Rebo variety hour, or maybe, uh, you know, he's just kind of traveling around the galaxy from gig to gig. I think it'd be a lot of music, cantinas. There's a battle of the bands between him and and Figur and Dan and the modal nodes. It writes itself. Oh, yeah. That's a whole episode <laughs> just right there. What about you, Jess? Is there like a particular character or somebody that you would love to see get their own like sort of solo project in the Star Wars universe? I've never thought about this. Let's just have a show surrounding the Ewoks, you know? What are they do? What do they Love do? On they did. There were the Ewok adventures in in the eighties, um, but yeah, I feel like we should we should check back in with them, see see yeah. how things are going. 
Yeah, did they just like leap? Like, did they just have their giant celebration at the end of Return of the Jedi when they had like their um, fire, their like ceremonies, and then they were like all partying it up, and then like Luke and Leia and Han and all of them were just like, okay, bye, go back to your normal lives, peace out. I mean, I bet the the odds of somebody kept an Ewok as a pet after that, I think, are pretty high. Like, if somebody, you know, you're just like, hey, this one, we're taking this one home. Seriously, if I was Leia. Personally, I would like have come back and visited them because like Leia had a special bond with them. And I was like, these are my children now. Yeah. You're going to adopt an Ewok. I, I see that. I, I, I want to hear the story about the Ewok who like finally he's like been dying to get off Endor. And he's like, finally, this is my chance to go see the see the galaxy. I'm going to join up with the Rebel Alliance and and travel around. Exactly. Where is that show? That is a show. Pitch it. Let's make it happen. Um, but Chuck, you talked about, you know, bringing new voices and new writers into this. And we're starting to get that. John Favreau and Dave Filoni have done such a great job of really sort of launching the the Star Wars Disney Plus stuff as we know mm-hmm. it. But um, there's a bunch of other things in the works, too. Um, premiering in 2023, we have this show Skeleton Crew starring Jude Law, which is being co-created by the other John from the the Marvel Star Wars movies, uh, John Watts, who, who directed the, the Tom Holland ones starring John Favreau. But it's sort of a live action series, you know, focusing on a group of kids who are lost in the galaxy, um, trying to find their way home. It's sort of set during the same time period as, as like Mando and Book of Boba Fett. Um, we've also got The Acolyte, which is created by Leslie Headland, um, who created Russian Doll. And that one's set a thousand years in the past, way before the Skywalkers, which is really interesting. We've also got, uh, on the film side of things, we've got uh, Taika Waititi is writing and directing a new film, which we don't know anything about. Um, other than the fact that that's happening. Um, you know, he obviously is best known for his work on Thor and he's so great in Our Flag Means Death and he directed a couple episodes of The Mandalorian. So we're seeing, it, it's interesting to see some new like directors and writers and, and creatives sort of working in this galaxy. I know for me, I'm one of the people who has been clamoring for Bryce Dallas Howard to get her own time in the Star Wars mm. universe. I really loved her episodes of The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett, and she sort of proved herself as like a really incredible like action sci-fi director. So I'm like, I would totally watch Bryce Dallas Howard's version of a of a Star Wars show. Like whatever she wants to do, she's proved herself. <laughs> give her give her the keys. Yeah, absolutely. You know, John Watts's Spider-Man trilogy is by and large, very, very good. So the idea that they're going to create new characters and go off into some new corner of the galaxy is really exciting. And Leslie Headland, like Russian Doll, that's a great show. Like that was a very creative, surprising new kind of show, uh, taking that sort of Groundhog Day concept of, you know, living the same day over and over again and then just really running with it in wild new directions was, was so, so fun to watch. So yeah, I'm all for, you know, the, expansion of of the creative minds behind Star Wars because I think that every time they can bring it to a new place, a new surprising place, I think that's going to be, that's what will keep people, I think, excited. Yeah, I know for me, I've been banging this drum for a while, but I'm like, can we go somewhere else other than Tatooine, please? Mm -hmm. I, I love Tatooine, the twin sons, incredible. But oh my gosh, can we... There's so many other planets. Let's let's go back to Endor. Let's go literally anywhere else. I'm so tired of sand. I'm so tired of desert planets. Yeah, it's sand. It gets everywhere. What is? How does that? You know. <laughs> it's coarse and rough, and and it gets everywhere. <laughs> yes, so, exactly. Why do we keep going back? Anakin warned us. We need to stop going back to Tatooine. It's a terrible place to be. <laughs> Agreed. What about you, Jess? When you look at this lineup, is there anything else that you're like particularly excited for, or that you you want to see Star Wars try next? I mean. 
I'm excited to see how Jude Law looked in the Star Wars universe because I can't picture it if I'm being completely honest. Handsome, probably. <laughs> Very handsome. It's an interesting choice. I mean, is he going to be like their like adopted father in a sense? Is he going to be their like leader? Is it? We don't really know what his role is going to be in that specific show, right? No, we don't know anything about it. But, you know, Jude Law is one of those actors who's pulled off the the franchise hat trick. He's he's in Marvel. He was in Captain Marvel. He's yeah. been in Harry Potter's Dumbledore. And now he's going to be in Star Wars. He's he's collecting all of them. Like he's the doing it all. Infinity I mean, of- next, I mean, Christian Bale, where are you at? You need to be a part of the Star Wars. He did Marvel. He's done DC. What's next? Just knock out um. all of the the, the sci fi and nerdy nerdy stuff, you know. <laughs> I'm also really excited to see Rosario again as Ahsoka because I think she did a fantastic job in Mando season two, and I love her and she she's amazing. And I don't think that she could do it wrong. I'm interested to see if Hayden will come back because no shade against him, but he's getting older, and in order for him to be in Ahsoka, it's going to have to be flashbacks of them when they were training during the Clone Wars, but it'll be interesting. I want, and, and I wonder that is going to come out after Mando season three. So is that, is Mando going to make an appearance there as well? I mean, she did the whole Mando appearance. Is Mando going to come into Ahsoka? So I'm intrigued. It's a good question. But yeah, it's Ahsoka is one of those characters who's been around since, you know, the animated Clone Wars debuted. And, you know, she's sort of popped up in all these other stories. You know, she was in Mandalorian. She was in Book of Boba Fett. But I know I and a lot of other people are just so excited for her to sort of get her own story, have her be, I mean, she was very much, you know, one of the protagonists of Clone Wars, but to have her, you know, headline her own live action series is something that's, that's really cool. And like, she just, she, looks insanely cool we got to see a little bit of a tiny little bit of footage when we were at star wars celebration and i was like "Ooh, this is the two lightsabers it's it's all just like it's dope i, I love it just anything that makes like the fans like gasp and, and get excited about that's the that's the kind of nerdy stuff i totally geek out over yeah and she has earned her own show for sure Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, great. Well, we are going to take a super quick break. And when we return, we're going to play for you my interview with the Andor cast. So stay tuned for that. Welcome back. Uh, we are now going to take you back to Star Wars Celebration, uh, where I got the chance to sit down with some of the cast and producer of the upcoming Andor show on Disney+. Plus. We are joined by Diego Luna, who plays Cassie and Andor, Genevieve O'Reilly, who is back as Mon Mothma, and producer Son Wolvenberg. I'm so excited to talk to you guys a little bit about Andor. Diego, I'd love to start with you. What was it that excited you most about returning to this galaxy? I guess, first of all, working with these people, you know, and uh, this family and, and, and the team and just having the chance to revisit a character, I thought it was it was gone, you know, in terms of, yeah, I, I, I remember living every day as if it was the last and remember having the experience of, yeah, I mean, I never thought of being part of this universe at all, you know, I, I was just a fan and one day I got a call and and I thought it was going to be a one thing in my life. And I shared it with my kids and I saw it and I was ready to, you know, move on. And then uh, I was invited to this and it made complete sense. I had so much more to, to say and to do with this role. And, uh, 
and I just wanted to to explore many things that I thought about while I was shooting that a film would never allow you to explore, you know, so. Genevieve, this is a character you've played so many times before. What was it that excited you most about exploring this new chapter in her story? Yeah, I was really excited. I think um, the idea of learning about this character for me as as much as for anyone else through long form, a long form narrative was really interesting because we have now the chance to get to know the woman. You know, previously she was a bit of a pillar or um, maybe a statue. Um, and I love that now we get to excavate that a little bit and learn about her, the human being, the um, the woman behind the gown, if you will. Um, and I feel like this um, long-form television format allows for that in a way that um, we couldn't before in a film. And, yeah, I was just thrilled to get the chance to do that with Tony and Sana Diego. Yeah, and Sana, tell me a little bit about why it was important to tell this story in a series format. And I think, you know, with the you know, existence of Disney Plus became a real opportunity to take a franchise as much loved in George Lucas's extraordinary universe and build upon it on the small screen. Because, you know, there's only ever so much screen time you have to deliver a fantastic story when you go to the movies and so many characters that have so much depth that is kind of unexplored and bringing it, you know, you know, to to the to the small screen with the twelve episodes in the first series really allows us, like Genevieve says, to really dive deeper into the characters and get to know something that otherwise, you know, always is something that is hidden and underneath and and doesn't come to light. Diego, you talked about, you know, getting to explore new sides of Cassian. What were some of your unanswered questions about him that you were most excited to dive into? Well, there, there is not much information about them when you see Rogue One, you know. Rogue One is about an event, mm-hmm. and it's an event uh, where a, a group of people get together and find, you know, something to do in common, something that worries them, and uh, and they decide to be part of a journey together. Uh, but you don't know why they're there, uh, what happened in their lives, uh, you know, to convince them they were capable of bringing change. Uh, sacrifice comes from, 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 uh, I mean, your past, you know, so it's kind of nice to know that someone that, that, that was willing to sacrifice everything for a cause has a reason for it. Therefore, you can connect with the character in a different way, you know. I think, uh, in Rogue One, you connect with the anecdote and here you're going to connect with the characters and uh, understand their personal journeys and behind everyone that has brought change you know there's a story there's a reason and uh, I, I i just love that now we have 12 episodes to tell you that story yeah i liked what you said on stage about how you know this is a story about the people on the ground it's it's not about the jedi or the skywalkers or some of the people we've met before you know this is a very grounded story is that fair to say Definitely. It's about the change people can bring, you know, and it's about learning that, that your strength and power is in your numbers. And there's people out there that think like you do and worry like you do about what matters to you. So go out, connect with them, find a way to be useful uh, if, you, if you think in a block, you know, if you're part of something bigger. And uh, I think that, that was the... And it, it, 
the Star Wars is always like that. It's always telling messages that have a lot to do with what we're living, you know. And today, uh, I mean, there's a need for us to to be in control of our reality, you know, and uh, and to get involved and and to be part of things and, and not to witness from afar, but but to get your hands dirty on a way. So the the, the show is about that, and uh, and it's a very pertinent story to tell these days, you know, when the world is going so crazy. Absolutely. And Genevieve, what can you tell us about how this version of Mon Mothma is different from the one we uh, may have seen before? Well, in Rogue One, we we know where she is. She's um, one of the rebel leaders in um, Rogue One. She still carries that senatorial history with her. But where we start now is very different. Um, in Andor, we meet her within the Imperial Senate. She's a senator trying to effect change from within Empire. Now, obviously we know that's going to be ultimately unsuccessful because she leaves and, and becomes a rebel leader. So it was fascinating to me to go, how does that happen? How, how, how often do you have to fail before you realize you have to affect change in a different way? How does it have to shift you? What do you have to lose? What do you have to sacrifice in order to rescind the status quo, to drop everything and to join a rebellion? That's an exciting idea. <laughs> It is. Yeah. If, if, if you hear that, it's it's not about what happens. It's about how it happens. Yeah. And uh, and that's an amazing uh, approach to storytelling. You know, because it's about depth. It's about real people. It's about uh, the experience of the characters. You know, taking people on a journey starting five years before to really in the formative years of the rebellion to find many characters caught up in the events of the time and this, this, this moment of Star Wars, you know, history and, and having the chance to really go on the complex and complicated journeys with them that leads them to, you know, who, you know, partly who we, who we meet in Rogue One and, and many characters along the way. It's just a real opportunity to be daring and brave. And I think Tony does this with, you know, huge integrity and, and, you know, so much truth, um, which is a real joy to be part of. And, and, and that's important, even though it's called Andor, you know, it's about a revolution. So it's an ensemble. It's about a, it's about a group of people. It's about a, you know, it's about community. It's about so you, you'll have the chance to meet many characters you, you, you don't know uh, and visit places you don't know existed in this galaxy. Might we see any familiar faces who we might have seen before? That would be telling now, wouldn't it? You should have this conversation next year once you've seen it. <laughs> yeah. I really look forward to that. <laughs> Nice deflection. Well done. <laughs> and I know uh, Tony Gilroy has talked about wanting um, this story to have a very kind of spy feeling, very kind of noirish. How would you describe the tone of the show? Well, I think in, in, in the formative years of the rebellion, it really was an era with a lot of danger and deception and lies. And, and you know, that is where Cassinando finds himself and finds his past to become the hero that you know, challenges the galaxy and ultimately gives his life. So it is a unique moment of time with a lot of fractions and disparate groups that, you know, that, you know, are around in the big galaxy. And I think it does give it, you know, a thriller element and it does give it adventure as well as, you know, really 
intricate character journeys along the way. Diego and Genevieve, what was the biggest difference about making this show versus uh, making something like Rogue One? Well, I'm, I'm sure it's very different and then it's not different at all because it's storytelling, right? And what you want to be is part of a great story. And Rogue One was an amazing story to be a part of and it clearly connected with so many people and we loved doing it and people love it. This is also going to be a fantastic story, a wider story. Uh, like Diego was saying, um, an extraordinary ensemble cast and rich textured characters. So it's storytelling, but it's just maybe a bit bigger. It's also for me, it comes in the right time. You know, when, when Rogue One was happening, uh, I was adjusting and trying to understand how to move in these waters, you know, like how to, to be part of these. It's, many times I found myself looking at stuff as a fan, <laughs> not an actor, you know, <laughs> like, holy shit, <laughs> there, you know, and, uh, and now I think I, I was ready for this, you know, as ready as you can be also. Uh, but uh, I, w I would say that I, 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 I know now what really matters, you know, uh, back then I, I needed guidance a lot. Uh, on, uh, and this time, I think I was much more focused and, uh, and connected with Tony and his vision, you know, uh, from early stages in order to be useful and helpful. Because here we're doing like six films, basically, you know. So while you're doing something, uh, you know, the rest of the team is doing something else. You know, when we're shooting, Tony's writing, and when we are shooting, he's checking what you did yesterday. So it's a machine that needs your attention, your full attention, and uh, in a different way than, than a movie does. You know, in a movie, sometimes you do 10 seconds in one day. Here is that, that, that's no such different. luxury. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was one day I remember where I was in. Um, within uh, the embassy, like a political space. And uh, Tony and Zana were running between what I was filming in this very um, political sphere over to a different soundstage where they were filming a battle scene. So they were coming in with this kind of <laughs> battle energy and all this sweating. And then, then they'd come in and it would be, okay, high focus, high focus lots, of, lots of language. And it was extraordinary to imagine them balancing those two worlds essentially on the same day. And that's television. <laughs> that was the mad time because if when the freight train is running, you just have to carry on. And along the main unit is a tandem unit. Otherwise, you would be shooting forever and you would have to wait much longer than the end of August to see what we actually have done. And it is, it is a special kind of energy that comes with it and endurance, I guess. Mm -hmm to switch and you know particularly for Diego who is in it a lot and you know and who really you know jumping from one unit to the next for as short as time as we can do it but it is it is a huge demand but mm. you know it's these are extraordinary stories to tell and I think whether it's for the small screen or the big screen you know the expectation of extraordinary production values you have to fulfill and you know the world is a huge part of our storytelling so the pressure is on and, and, you know, and it's, it's a challenge and, but an exciting one. Yeah. If you know why you're doing it, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, uh, and, it, and it's a, an important reason, there's nothing better than this, there's you know, because better. it lasts long enough for you to actually transform with the process, you know, and, uh, and that's what you take. 
once we deliver this, what we take is the experience, the journey we had, and uh, this journey mattered a lot. I know you guys are going to shoot season two later this year. What are you guys most excited for about returning to set? Oh, that I'm not going to be wearing a mask, hopefully. Am I? I know. We were so, we were so, well, we'll see, but we were so kind of, um, in our own little bubbles, but it would be lovely to have a bit more of a collective experience this time, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? It would be very nice. It really was for everybody in any industry and ours, Mm. a really extraordinary time. And, you know, I think in the film industry, we have this ability to prevail and work through it. Mm. But gosh, um, I think you were for 10 months in London and we had dinner never. Because we were not allowed to see, you know, to go into people's homes. And it was a very particular time. So I've never been, yeah, this thing of of having to go through the process of of the nasal penetration every three three times (laughs) a a week, you know, three times a week for a year. uh, I mean, don't you miss it? <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, I, I am not going to be that, definitely not. And, uh, and probably, yeah, I'll be throwing a party from the first week until the very end, uh, just to make sure we catch up. There are some witnesses to that. <laughs> uh, Diego, you know, we're here at Star Wars Celebration. I have to ask, how many people have asked you about Jabba the Hutt while you've been here? Oh, that, that's, it's one of those lovely things I'm going to be answering when I'm 100 years old. It's going to haunt me forever. I said, uh, I just, like, I don't know. <laughs> I said something once on an interview and it, it, it sticks. Yeah. I don't, I don't even remember the interview, but I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. Like, I'm, I'm apparently very, like, how do you say, uh, well, do you remember the question? I think it was something about how you wanted to touch Jabba the Hutt. It was like, what character would you most like to meet? Or meet. And I said, Jabba the Hutt, I want to touch him. I want to touch that. Yeah, and suddenly it became that? like a big thing. Like I'm in love with Jabba and, uh, and Jabba <laughs> and I should. Anyway. Uh, I think you learned something new every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, th- that, that hasn't been said. Right now, There, I feel there is a real like uh, expectation for the show, which is, a lovely thing to feel, you know, when people are actually really curious to see what we're doing. And uh, and that feels amazing. And no one's talking about Java anymore. Uh, except for me. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, joining me. And thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much uh, to the Andor cast for joining me for that interview. And thank you so much to Chuck and Jess for joining me on this episode, sort of looking at the future of a galaxy far, far away. Thanks for having us. Of course, anytime you want to talk about Star Wars, I'm here. <laughs> We've got a lot of Star Wars nerds on staff, so there we will definitely need to have you back at, at some point to talk all things intergalactic. And that is it for this episode of Dagobah Dispatch. If you liked what you heard, follow, rate the podcast, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. To keep the conversation going, follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials, at EW on Twitter, and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag us at Dalton Ross, at Devin Kogan, and at Morglar. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch is hosted by Dalton Ross, Devin Kogan, and Lauren Morgan. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.